0: This is the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. How do we deal with other people? Are we fair? Are we just? There's a lot of talk about justice in our society, but are we people of justice? Those of us who consider ourselves to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, are we people who Treat others with fairness and justice. Do we show favoritism towards other people? Today we look at Exodus 23 verses 1 through 9. God gives instructions to his people about how to act justly towards one another. And let's see what God says through this passage.
1: Justice. My, that's a word that's been uh, used plenty recently, right? Like about the same time that we started getting into the coronavirus and COVID-19 and the foreign concepts of all of that stuff and social distancing and all the things to do with that. We also started hearing lots in our world, especially in the United States about justice. And uh, we have a lot to learn. We have a long ways to go uh, as a society to, uh, to experiencing true justice in our community, in our country. Um, But God certainly has something to say about it, and I believe, as followers of Christ, we are called uh, to show the world what it looks like to be just, what it looks like to be true and justice. And so this morning, we're going to dig in uh, on an excerpt from Exodus, chapter 23. Um, We continue our study of in the wilderness. We've been working through the book of Exodus. I say we uh, like I have a mouse in my pocket. John's been working through the book of Exodus, and uh, we have been following along. And and the story of Exodus, just as a real quick recap of it, it, it's a story about God's people, right? It's a story that follows the narrative of Genesis, and it starts to tell us about God's people in slavery and in bondage in Egypt. Then it starts to introduce and tell us more about Moses and his ability to lead them under out of um, the unjust conditions they were in in Egypt as slaves to the Egyptian people. And uh, Moses helps deliver them from the Pharaoh. He brings them across into uh, a time of wandering in the wilderness before they would go into the promised land that God said he would give them. And, And just in the past few weeks, we've learned a little bit about God going or calling Moses up Mount Sinai, and, and he passed down laws to Moses. He passed down the first set of laws, and my friends can probably help me. They were called the Ten Commandments. That's the Ten Commandments, right? God sent down the Ten Commandments uh, to Moses, and then he gave uh, I think the numbers say 57 more laws that helped these people, God's people, God's chosen people moved from the bondage of slavery into community. And and these laws were super impactful, right? When you think about people who were tied as slaves to another culture, and now they're being given their own land or preparing their hearts for their own land and preparing to raise up a community uh, that would be unlike any other community on earth, right? God was calling the Israelite people to be set apart and different. And this morning, God's calling you and me as His people to be set apart and different. Still, we're going to look at Exodus twenty-three, one through nine. I thank goodness that we're not going to other passages that John had sent me in Exodus twenty-three, because I was squirming in my seat when he sent me the original stuff and. I'm glad to be here in Exodus 1 through nine. So uh, if you'll read along with me or watch along with me, the laws of justice and mercy. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in the lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And do not show favoritism to a poor person In a lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help them with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. And do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt. God's word here, given through Moses to the people, is really directed towards the elders of the community. They would have been the local judges or the local authority in, in this Israelite community that God was standing up. And these words were, were very pointed towards them, although they had a broader audience. And the broader audience was all of the people so that they would understand when you come before one of these judges, you would experience the things that God called them to here. And, and the reality is, is that these words still have power and meaning to us today. And and I'll be honest with you. When I sit down with Scripture, and when I try to pray through and think through uh, what I'm reading in the book, um, I have to do it through a lens. And so this morning, I'm going to challenge you to think through the lens a little bit. Not asking you to think like I think. I'm asking you to think through the lens that I think through when I, when I'm reading these Scriptures. And it is first, God, what's your message to me right now in this? Like that's a question I ask in a prayer. I pray, God. i read this what's the message you're giving me right now and then how does this ultimately point to christ and and all of that comes behind my personal goal in prayer and life which is to be made more and more like him every day right we were created in god's image we were created to be good and we have fallen way short of good in fact um, our sinful nature would call us bad right but my goal every time I wake up is to be made more and more in Christ's image that day and then the next day and the next. So when I put all those things together and I pray through these words, I don't just see what seems like common sense to us today, right? I mean, all those things seem like just general common sense. And we've got to put ourselves in the place of, of God's people at the time who were slaves. And so this would not have been common sense. It would have been every man for himself, stand up and fight, get through it, life is hard, do whatever you have to do to get to the next day, right? And, and we're fortunate we have a luxury that is different than that. So this morning, as I share the ways in unpacking this, I want you to think through it, um, but I, I also want to give you a little disclaimer here. And uh, my friends and I who are going through a Bible study we just finished in and Andy Stanley, I love the way Andy Stanley challenged us in the Bible study. He said, look, if you don't know quite where you're at with this Jesus character and with God, it's okay. It's okay. All these things are great ideas, and you should probably put them into practice. And so my friends this morning, if you don't know quite where you're at, these things are great ideas. But if you've told God you want him to be the Lord of your life and the Savior for you, then these things become more than just great ideas. They become a pathway for how we should live our lives, right? These things become not just ancient rules and regulations, but they become a way that we honor God by introducing him to the world through our actions. And so God calls us to be truly just. If we can look at verses one through three here, We're gonna kind of skip over three, but one and two are really important in this part. Um, do not spread false reports, do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd and do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. That last half of or that last verse, but it's the last half of a sentence we'll pick up again in just a little bit. But the rest of it. As I sat and prayed over it, I realized it's really all about honesty. If we're going to have hearts that point others towards Christ and show them what true justice looks like, then we have to live lives of honesty. We have to live lives where our testimony and our word is worth something, and it's true and honest through and through. Don't give false reports. Don't uh, don't pervert justice by siding with the crowd. All of those things are easy to do, right? We can get caught up in a moment and, and we can dive in with a group of people who are diving in on someone and we can start to just pile it on. I don't know if you've ever seen this happen. It happens in my house a lot, right? I have a 13-year-old daughter who is the oldest, and so therefore she seeks lots of justice. She wants to feel justice in a major way. And I have a darling 8-year-old son, and he's got a mouth that runs really hard. And so between my daughter seeking lots of justice and my precious 8-year-old son with a mouth runs really hard, we sometimes get into exactly what this is talking choke choke because my son will run his jaw and say something that's probably inappropriate or wasn't nice to his sister. His sister comes barreling into Allison and I's uh, space, wherever that is, to report (laughs) what is unjust in her life. And so she begins to tell, well, this is what Sutton said and what are you going to do? Well, that didn't sound so bad. Oh. Well, five hours ago, he also said, now what are you going to do? Well, that was five hours ago, Ainsley. But five days ago, he said, blah, 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 blah. And he said this, and he said that. Now, what are you going to do? Well, Ainsley, that was five days ago, five hours ago, and five minutes ago. And, and, you know, your mom and I will talk about it. But five weeks ago, he said this. And then he said this, and then he said this, and then he said this. You see how it happens? We want justice served, right? We want something to happen to the offender. And we're willing to go back as far as we have to go to bring up enough dirt so that something will happen to the offender. It happens right here, right? That's what God's calling us and warning us about. We have to live our lives marked by honesty not by seeking to pile it on so the offender becomes guilty, right? So, so the first mark of true justice is to live lives marked by true honesty. As we move to verses four and five. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. And I don't know if you've seen an ox or a donkey wandering off, but if you do, find where it goes, and I don't even know how you do that. Uh, we've often, Ainsley and I have thought about if our horses got out, they don't wear collars or they don't have a chip in them. how would someone know to bring them back? We're not sure how that would be. Uh, if you see the donkey of someone who hates you, i.e. your enemy, falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. So obviously if you saw someone's donkey who was a friend, you would probably run over to rescue the donkey, right? But, but someone who hate you or you hate, maybe you would think they deserve that. They deserve to have the broken down donkey, and I'm going to leave them and their donkey right there. All of these things, in my mind, point to a sense of kindness. If we're to point others towards Christ and allow others to experience true justice in life, then I think we have to live with the mark of kindness in our lives, where we put others before ourselves, where we choose the higher road, where we dismiss the plight of our enemy and help them instead, right? We do the right thing even when it's for our enemies. We choose the right path even when it hurts or feels bad. We choose to do what takes us off of our path of things that must get done today to do the thing that will impact another in a major way. You think back to ancient times, what's their mode of transportation? It's these daggone donkeys that keep walking off or keep falling under load. This is the way the people of Israel not only move around but the way they do business, the way they sustain life, the way they provide for their families and what God's calling us to do here is to say, you know what? my heart breaks for the things that are breaking theirs. And that is their equipment's broke down. That is they can't feed their kids tomorrow because guess what? They don't have the tools needed to make things happen. It's to say, God, you know what? I'm gonna put aside the differences I see in the way that he and I think, and I'm gonna take care of his possession. I'm gonna help him with the thing that he needs. This also, for God's people in in the ancient times, would have been a little bit self-serving, to be honest with you, because we're talking about a community of people. And so to think that your neighbor has this donkey that you might not have, and he might grow or kill or hunt or gather something that you might not kill, hunt, gather, or grow, you're going to need his help to survive. And so while it serves him, probably also serves your interest a little. It serves your interest to be kind because in community, when we do life together, which is what God's calling these people to, what he's calling us to in turn, is to build community. We were broken slaves in a foreign land, and now he's calling us to come into community and do it together. And so in doing community together, we have to respect and honor the things of our neighbors and even of our enemies. In 21st century America, what does this look like? Well, it looks like my wife, just a couple of weeks ago, she was down at Tappahannock working. The kids and I had come home to get stuff done here. And she calls me about lunchtime. The truck won't start. Oh, great. Uh, she says, I'm going to go to lunch with my friend and we'll deal with it when we get back. Well, that means JD needs to rearrange his whole schedule, right? <laughs> Fortunately, I have a fantastic neighbor at the river and I called Mr. Tomlin and Mr. Tomlin said, I'll ride over and I'll see what's going on with this car. Now, what's happening here is my friend put down the things he had going on that day to, to respond, maybe not to his enemy, but to a friend, <laughs> to help a friend out in need, Right? The cool part that happened, though, was not only did my friend respond, but as they were working on the truck trying to figure out what was going on with it, this random car pulls up and stops. And a gentleman gets out. Who knows nobody on the scene? He is a stranger. And he starts helping them diagnose what's going on with the car. A few minutes go by and they get the car running, and about the time they get the car running, one of Allison's friends pulls up he says, you know what, your car is broke, you can take mine back to town tonight and you can deal with it later. So see, he took his donkey and brought it in line and said, yours is so broke, take my donkey. Now she didn't take him up on it. Thank goodness, or we probably have a new car by now. But, but what you can see is the heart and the spirit, right? The heart and spirit of kindness coming out here. In the opportunity, they took the opportunity to be kind to help another along in a time of need. And that's what God's calling us to. If we want to experience true justice in life, we have to put our best foot forward and we have to show and exhibit kindness to others. My friend Dickie would tell you that it wasn't just people responding in kindness because about a month prior to that, he broke down on the side of the road and no one stopped the entire time he changed his tire. He said, it happened to be that my wife was a blonde in a dress (laughs) in downtown Tavernannock and that helped tremendously. So we'll go with whatever part of the story you wanna go with. As we move to verses six and seven, we see, do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death for I will not acquit the guilty this ties back to verse 3 as well. that says, do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. This is where the rubber of justice meets the road. This is where we look at uh, that figure that you guys helped me look at earlier. She had a blindfold on, right? That lady justice, she was wearing a blindfold. She was wearing a blindfold for this right here. We don't apply justice because of what someone can do to pay us back. We don't apply justice because of how impoverished someone is, and we are better off. We don't turn the tides for someone who has less than us just because they have less than us. We do it because it's the just thing to do. And our country is struggling with this right now. We've seen portions of our population that have been dealt with unjustly for generations. My heart breaks for them. My heart breaks that we as a people would have called ourselves humane and friendly and good neighbors and done this to a portion of our population. It is heart-wrenching. But by the same token, God is dealing with slaves right here, right? Right? he's talking to a people who were enslaved this is the generation that came out of slavery that god's talking to and he's not saying look around and find the poorest among you and raise them up he's saying everyone gets dealt with equally justice happens true justice happens when we don't look at the color of your skin at the amount of money in your checkbook at the ways you've been discriminated upon in the past, but we look at the facts and the truth and the heart of the matter right now. That's how true justice is dealt with. We're struggling with this as a country because there are people pulling us in all kinds of directions, and, and I don't really care where you stand in any of those directions. If we're going to be harbiners of justice, if we're going to exhibit justice in our lives, if we are going to show others what it means to to experience true justice, we weigh the facts. We honor others, and we honor God by being fair all the time. The beauty in this is God knew we were going to fail at this, right? He knew we were going to come short in this. That's why he gave him the laws in the first place. If he thought we were going to deal with everybody in fairness, these laws wouldn't even been written down. God would have said, you'll do it. You have the heart of mine, and you'll do it. The reality is we fall so, so short of that. And so in order to offer true justice to the world and experience true justice for ourselves and others, we have to be fair. Lady Justice holds a double-edged sword. It's because when the punishment is due, it could go either way, right? It's not a one-edged sword that just swings to the poor person, or in some cases in this warning, just swings away from the poor person. It's a double-edged sword that goes in the way of injustice, right? When the ruling happens, when justice must be served, hopefully it's served in fairness. We pray that it's served in fairness. Verse number 8 talks about transparency. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. It's so hard to be transparent in 21st century America. We have ways to hide behind our computer screens and our phone screens. We have ways to uh, just tell enough of the truth to feel like we're getting by okay and leave the rest for your imagination in some other land, right? But, But God's calling us to transparency because, frankly, Bribes are everywhere. I mean, think about the way your lives are set up and the things that you've experienced in life are government riddled with bribery, right? You do this for me, I'll say yes to this law or demand over here for you. You fund this project in my hometown, I'll vote yes to the funding bill that provides for this project in your hometown. Bribes are everywhere. Bribes are in government. Bribes are in business, right? You get, if you're in the case of my wife, you get this loan closed today. I'm going to send you a party pack for the weekend. You know, I need to get to the closing table because i got bills due, and so please, please help me. Bribes happen in business. Bribes happen in churches. We don't want to admit it, but the brokenness of us extends to this place right here. If I write you a check for this, will you steer clear of this part of God's message? If, if I give you this, will you show me favor in that? Man, it's a bribe, right? Bribes happen in our families. Say it ain't so. It happened to me this week. My kids, well, my son and two of his friends, we're riding back from, from a day of adventure down by the river, and they're being chit-chatting in the back seat. And I said, I tell you what, guys, if you guys act right on the way home, we'll stop and get popcorn. Oh, yeah it changed the whole temper of the car. I bribed them into doing what I wanted and it cost me a little something to get the job done, right? Bribes are everywhere. The reality is the kind of bribes that God's passing down and talking about as he speaks to Moses right here, they're the kind of bribes that happen in darkness. And when we provide transparency to that, when we put things into light, which is what transparency does, We take away the power of the bribe. We take away the power of the bribe. Don't accept a bribe. He's speaking right to the judges and the elders. For a bribe blinds those who see. You know, the emphasis right here is not on the person offering the bribe. It's on the person receiving the bribe. You see, the world can bring you whatever the world wants to bring you, right? But we have a choice in it. And if we accept the bribe, then we're guilty as charged. But if we have eyes to it, and if we have a heart to it, and if we're in tune to it, and if we want to experience true justice, we'll be transparent enough to call it out and say, that's a bribe. And and guess what? I'm not falling for it, or I'm not dealing with it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about something that's gone on in in my life. You know, My family and I have been involved in a family business since 1964. And after the pandemic, we decided that the time's right for me to do something different and words started getting out to the community of people who were involved in our business. And they started asking lots of questions and our family, frankly, wasn't ready to answer the questions yet because we didn't have the answers personally. We were not in a place where we could answer the questions coming at us. And so I'm gonna tell you a little bit of warning about transparency here because I gave enough of an answer to get the hound dogs off of me for my family and I to continue to dig in on what we needed to know and understand. I didn't give the full truth. I gave a a version of the truth, a partial truth. I didn't lie, I was honest. I just didn't tell everything I knew because it wasn't the place or time for it yet. And here's what happens when we're not transparent. It always costs us something. I spent my entire career in this industry trying to be as transparent as possible. And trying to protect my family and my interest in this, I couldn't be completely transparent. And it cost me dearly. It cost me respect. It cost me a place at the table of some of the people that I care about most. It came at a very high cost. When we're talking about serving true justice, we're talking about this idea of being transparent if we can't be if we won't be if we choose not to be recognize that it comes at a cost and sometimes that cost is a lot we have to weigh that really really tightly now the things I would tell you is I was honest I was as honest as I could be in the moment And would I do it again? Absolutely. But being little less than as transparent as I wanted to be came at a high, high cost. The last verse here, verse nine, it says, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. God's audience here is is a broken and enslaved people. They have been beaten and banged and bruised. They've come through and uh, made it towards the promised land, but not quite there yet. And he says, uh, don't oppress the foreigners, because you were once one of them. The questions that I asked you to think about in a scripture through at the beginning of the message, one of them was, how does this point to Jesus? And it's cool that the last verse, verse 9, in my mind, is where it immediately points to Jesus. You see, God, he is just. He has a standard. And guess what? We fall way short of the standard. It's called what? Sin. We sin, right? God has a standard. We fall short of the standard. We sin, and then we must pay the penalty. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And God designed us to experience life in him, and that was supposed to be for eternity. And then he said because of sin, you're going to face hell or life without me. Life in a place not where I am. And there's no way to get out of it. You have to pay it. The penalty is due. The double-edged sword has swung, right? That's it. It's that. It's over. So how does all of that point to Christ? Because Christ paid it. Christ said, you know what? I understand that you understand what it's like to be a foreigner, but I also understand that you need to be restored into your rightful family. We weren't designed to be foreigners. We weren't designed to live outside of a land and be in a place that's not known to us. We were designed to be God's people. We were designed to live in community with him. And the only way, the only way, the only way to do that is by choosing Christ. The only way we can get out of this idea of being a foreigner in this land Christ, so we can be in the Father's house. It's to choose Christ so that we can be redeemed and restored in the place that we were called to experience life. You see, all of Scripture points to Christ. And all of these laws, and all of these commands, and all of these demands, and all of these ways, they point to Him. To Him saying, I am enough. And I want to restore your relationship with your Heavenly Father. I want to provide you what is not just, but what is true. I want to give you what you haven't earned, but what you desire. I want to give you a relationship back with your Father. You see, we could just be broken and wandering. We could just be foreigners in a foreign land. Or we can be God's chosen people. It's not by our own choice. It's not by our own demands. It's by the spirit of Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross. This scripture points to Christ
0: immediately
1: because these laws, these commands that were passed down from God to Moses on Mount Sinai, they aren't about just creating community. They're about pointing to the one who solved the whole thing. Pointing to the one who, who changed everything, pointing to the one who brings us back into relationship with God. If we want to honor Christ in our lives, we'll live lives that are marked by honesty. We'll show the way in kindness. We'll lead the charge in fairness. We will offer up transparency, and we will take the opportunity to follow him each day of our lives. Thank God is good. Thank God that he has a plan. Thank God that we have been invited into that plan. That is with me, Heavenly Father, you want us to experience justice, true justice. But even more important than that, Father, you want us to show justice, true justice to the world. You want us to be beacons of light in a place that needs to experience And so, Father God, my prayer this morning is that as we uh, unpack this and think through it in the days and hours ahead, that we would recognize that uh, you are at the center of it all. And God, that if we point to you through honesty, through kindness, through transparency, through fairness, that uh, we would be doing the right and just thing by showing others how good you are
0: all the time Micah 6.8 says he has shown you O mortal what's good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God how are we doing in living lives of true honesty living lives of kindness living lives of fairness living lives of transparency we can't do it alone God gives us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to give us the strength to live this way. And as we do that, we point to the one who made this all possible and has shown us the greatest honesty, kindness, fairness, and transparency of all. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening.